0: The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I the
1: power. I love the power. I love the power. I love the power. Good evening. Welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show for Round 10 versus Melbourne. On the game will be on Saturday afternoon at TIO Traeger Park And if you don't know where that is, it's in Alice Springs in the Northern Territory It's the Melbourne home game that gets moved up there as part of that whole agreement um, I'm Portia, joining me tonight is Macca19, as always, uh, how are you Macca?
0: Mate, very good, very, really? very good I'm a bit concerned about you tonight though Why? Are you getting the bit of the uh, Natalie and is going? Are you a little bit torn this week?
1: No, no, not at all. Port's still my first team, even though I'm living in Melbourne. But if you ask, if if Melbourne win a premiership before Port, do ask me again. But that's about what it would take. That's about what it would take. And as you can tell, that's pretty low odds that Melbourne will win a premiership before Port.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) never going to happen. Even if we don't win another one, that's still uh, never going to happen. I think we're pretty safe there.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's pretty safe too. All right. Well, look, we've had a, uh, obviously heading into this week, it's the uh, Indigenous Round of Football, which has been named this year after Sir Doug Nichols, former Governor of South Australia. Um, yeah. It's a nice honour. Um, obviously did a lot of work in Melbourne as well, which is really what got him over the line, let's face it, um, yeah. as a, um, uh, a priest is the right, right word, I don't know if that's the right religion, uh, in the Fitzroy area, uh, and dealing particularly with um, Aboriginal people in the cities uh, and trying to help them adjust and not get completely screwed over in life, which is obviously a really important thing to do even now, unfortunately. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, So Indigenous Round has a couple of things that go with it, obviously, Uh, and one of them is all the Indigenous Round Guernseys. Have you seen one that you like? Do you like Port's one?
0: I do. I've got three which I think stand out. Well, probably four, actually. I I do like the Crows. I think that's a pretty good Guernsey. Uh, I like Richmond's. I, think yep. I really I really, really like Richmond's. Uh, Melbourne's is really good and I, and I do like Port Adelaide's as well. So they're probably the four standouts for me.
1: Yeah, look, I reckon Melbourne's one is actually really good. Again, getting back to me being torn, but I think it's just a really solid one in that it expresses a lot of themes but it also, at the same time, it actually kind of mimics the normal Guernsey as well without just being straight up like, unfortunately, like um, Gavin Wanganine's version of the Essendon Guernsey is where he just changed the sash a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I like it, it looks okay, but uh I are such a pain for those sorts of things, aren't they? <laughs> <I> are. <Absolutely.
0: laughs> they are. Absolutely. They're just
1: a real pain. Yeah. Um I don't think there was a lot anyone would be allowed to do with it. But there you go. But um, mm. yeah, I think the other one I think the other interesting one is the Western Bulldogs one in that it's not Yeah. It's not just, you know, dots and all that sort of thing. It's actually a modern more modern one and that's really kind of appropriate because there's definitely a perception, I think, of Aboriginal cultures as being uh, purely an ancient thing And of course it's current um, It's always going to update With technology and culture Around it as well uh, Like anything else So it's good to see that aspect Of Aboriginal culture Sort of being represented uh, yeah. Interesting that they're having A bit of a protest About not being paid enough For the job though So um, mm, I don't know what the outcome Of that will be They want to get paid Per Guernsey sale Which is probably reasonable um, But Who yeah. knows I don't know if, I don't think that's standard Across the board
0: No No
1: Mm. But um, I guess the next thing just to talk about on that is the positive effects of Indigenous Round. It's been going for a few years now. Um, do you think, obviously it's a, great, a really good visible sign that the AFL is trying to support Indigenous um, players of the game and fans and just in general in the Australian community. Um, do you think we're seeing outcomes from this round being a regular thing already? Do you think it's sort of on the same time scale as something like Greater Western Sydney as a football team?
0: I'm not sure. I think there's definitely a lot of positives that have come out of um, really focusing on Indigenous culture in the AFL over the last, I guess, ten or fifteen years, and maybe even a little bit longer than that. Um, and this is one of the uh, of all the, I don't know what you call it, exotic rounds. I guess or the theme rounds. Uh, this is the one which should last the distance. I think it's a great uh, a great thing, and um, I, I really like. All the different Guernseys that have uh, that have popped up over the years. So it's it's something that I'm I'm really hoping sort of lasts the distance and and continues to happen for the next sort of ten or twenty years.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's a it's got a double purpose in that it's not just the indigenous round, but it's also the fans of uh, Guernsey designs round. In a lot of ways, everyone gets a new yeah, one. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's true.
0: Dylan would be stoked.
1: Oh, oh, Dylan's got to be commenting on Spreaker. Let's have a quick look. No, he's not in. Ha ha. Very like Dylan. You yeah. miss your reference. Um. All right, so I uh, didn't have any other hot topics. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into the games? Uh,
0: I guess the Jonas issue. Are we talking about that now or do we talk about it a little bit later?
1: We can talk about it now if you like.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think we probably should because it doesn't really affect this week's game, I don't think. But, I mean, six weeks. What were your thoughts on uh, on that size punishment?
1: Um. Well, it's what you'd expect. I think probably the most egregious thing to come out of this is the fact that it's been classified as intentional. So if it was yeah. classified as reckless and had the same duration suspension, you'd be like, yeah, okay. But I don't know, like for me, if, if I was if I was Tom Jonas, that would be the part that would really annoy me is having someone tell me that in an adversarial system where the evidence against me was a video, sure, but then a lawyer just made a bunch of shit about me and... Um, and that, that was determined to be my intent, I'd be really annoyed about that whole process, really. yeah. Um, there was a well, it's
0: not it's not intent to have, uh, have caused what happened. It's intent to have made the contact, which I don't think you can really sort of oh, but, argue you know, against, but then but it's really every, everything to... should be intentional then because there's no yeah. sort of contact. <laughs> I mean, everyone that sort of, gets reported does so for something that's intentional because you intend to bump someone you intend to sort of lay a hip and shoulder you intend to sort of spoil the ball Um, and sometimes mistakes happen and you miss and you knock someone out so in in that regard I think he's um, he might be I don't know look he did it he's got a cop what uh, punishment he gets six weeks for me In isolation, it's fine. It's a harsh punishment, but I think it's a fair punishment for what happened. It was a bad incident. It didn't look good. He knocked him out. Gaff missed the end of the game. Um, I'm not sure he's playing this week either. Um, I just hope the O'Filler are consistent because (laughs) you, you just sort of know that if Josh Gibson does that in round 21, he's not going to miss six games, is he? No.
1: Um, I think there was a good comment on the forums as well, just about the whole process of the tribunal and how the fact that it's an adversarial system is probably not appropriate. It really should be about getting to the truth and maybe more like a, um, what they call it, inquisitorial, or I suppose it's more like a um, an inquiry, like a government inquiry yeah. where you ask questions and you, you have a panel there, they work it out between them. It's probably a better system because then you don't actively have to have someone slandering the player's reputation at the same time, yeah. which I think yeah. would be always a very hard part to cop. Um, mm. But then, the other thing you have to look at the current system is if you're using an adversarial system, then why don't they accept precedent like every other legal system in the world? Um, yeah. So it's it's there's something wrong there that does need to be fixed. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think in the six weeks is probably a fair cop for what happened.
0: Um, well, look, we we know the AFL just make it up as they go along. We know that in in terms of the tribunal, they have an endpoint which they start with, like they would have started with we want to give Jonas six weeks and oh, yeah. they work their way back from there to yeah. determine the point structure um, in the tribunal system to get to that point. It happens all the time. Yeah. You can't tell me that Stephen May didn't intentionally run 25 metres, looked at Stephen Martin the entire time, completely ignored the ball, overran the ball and laid a massive hip and shoulder, knocked him out, stretched it off the ground. You can't tell me that's not intentional. Yeah, they got judged careless.
1: Yeah. Look, absolutely. That's um...
0: <laughs> so the consistency's a load of crap. Like it's, it's not going to be consistent. It, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the biggest sort of uh, biggest weekly uh, suspension that we'll see in the next sort of three or four years.
1: It'd be surprising if it wasn't. It really depends on who does the nasty stuff, really, doesn't it? Hard mm. um, to know. There's probably a persona non grata team that's like us. Maybe if someone at free eight or something like that, we might see something equivalent, but otherwise probably not.
0: Yeah. Hard to know. But I also want to say well done to Tommy Jonas because he's copped his whack. He's yeah. come out. I think he's performed exceptionally well in the media this week, mm. especially um, with all the scapegoating that's gone on. Uh, it would have been a, an exceptionally tough week for him personally, and I yeah. think he's, uh, he's performed exceptionally well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um obviously they train the guys on things like this. Uh and he has done well. He could have he could have been a lot more bitter or openly bitter than he has been. Um I think he's yeah, I think you're quite right. he handled it very professionally and I suppose that's the one thing you could say about the whole incident that has been professional.
0: Yeah. Probably. <laughs> mm.
1: Oh well. All right, so look, we might as well get into it and talk about for the 20th season celebrations. We've been going through the games we played in 1997 because that's obviously 20 seasons ago. And we're going back to the first time they met. So this is the uh, Port LA game versus Melbourne in round nine of the 23rd of May, 1997, played at Football yep. Park. Um, the game itself, Port won quite convincingly, 10 goals, 18, 78, defeating Melbourne, three goals, 9, 27, which is a margin of 51 points in percentage Oh, geez, it's a lot. It'd be about 160 off the top of my head 170% um, Had a few notable things about it um, First one is obviously Melbourne were goalless at halftime And in 1997 we were not expected to hold anyone goalless at halftime um, We were expected to be the side goalless at halftime So that was certainly a satisfying aspect of that And of course Melbourne didn't win a single quarter in that game um, And the interesting thing about the defence on that one Is that that score against of 27 points Remains to this day the lowest score conceded by Port Adelaide in the AFL you um, have you got any thoughts on this game? Do you remember much about it?
0: I do, there's, there's quite a few things I remember about this game actually um, I guess the first one was that it was a Friday night uh, I think it was our first Friday night game um, in the AFL so that was, uh, that was something that was notable um, Neil Baum came out that week and said uh, we're going to teach them a lesson about what the AFL is all about and um, tried to rough us up quite a bit throughout the match um, and failed miserably yeah. Um, that's something that uh, always sticks in my mind, especially Alistair Clarkson, who, uh, who tagged um, Wilbur that night. Um, and for those that are old enough to remember Clarkson as a footballer, he was the most annoying bloody footballer on on planet <laughs> Earth. Um, everyone used to go on about uh, Libby and the things that he used to get up to, but Clarkson would just harass and bump and pinch and annoy the living crap out of his opponents. And uh, Wilbur responded exceptionally well, and I think he won the, the three Brown- uh, Brownlow votes uh, for that night. So that's uh, always something that sticks in my mind. Um, and the other thing was there was a bit of a Steins-Wangadine uh, racial issue where I think uh, Gav um, may have said something a little bit nasty to to Jim Steins throughout the match.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, there was that little blow-up there. It's a certainly an interesting thing. I, I don't know if that would... I don't know, do you think that would still be a, something to even be brought up today? I'd...
0: I mean, it depends what he said. Yeah, really, I, I think it really does depend on what on what was said. Um, obviously, I think uh, obviously racial issues have um, have gone out of the game significantly these days. So it's, it's very rare to, for there to be sort of racial comments said. Um, so on that aspect, it has sort of gone out of the game, and, and it isn't really an issue anymore. I think.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, Alistair Clarkson, you talk about him being an annoying, niggly guy. Um, That's really the Hawthorne template, I would have thought. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Defense. Absolutely
0: so, it was. If you
1: if you talk about, because you sometimes see coaches that seem to coach teams in a very different way to the way they actually personally played, you can definitely not say that of Alistair Clarkson. Um, no, they're,
0: they're certainly playing in his memory. That's that's for sure. <laughs>
1: Oh, dear. Well, just on the scoreboard, uh, Scott Cummings kicked four for this match and Brendan Laid kicked three and that's, what, seven of our ten goals. Yeah. Um, interesting note was that Melbourne's leading goal kicker with two goals of the three was Lee Newton, which made, immediately made me think, who the hell is Lee Newton? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. He was a ruckman who played 13 yeah. games in total and they were all in 1997. This was his career best game. So good luck to you, Lee Newton, whatever you're doing now. That was... um. It's certainly an interesting highlight, and probably one that when you were off the end of the game thinking, this is my best game ever, and the team's lost horribly, and then the coach gets sacked, it's probably hard to take a high out of it, so feel free to take a high out of it now.
0: He was actually Uh, a decent player. I think he got screwed over with injuries um, after that. I think he had, um, well, I guess what we would now call OP. I think he missed the entire 98 season with a groin injury, and Mm. Um, Really sort of struggled after that. I think he ended up becoming Melbourne's uh, ruck coach and then went to Hawthorne and became their ruck coach um, under Clarkson as well. So uh, keeping it in the family there, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just thinking about that, I mean, those sorts of injuries these days, it's really amazing how in these 20 seasons, how much long-term injuries have been reduced. Like there's a lot of them that Mm. used to just be really long-term and they end up being three or four weeks now. Um, yep. it's really impressive how that's progressed. And I guess that comes in with the extra money in the game and the professionalism of the players in terms of training and uh, rehabilitation and all that sort of thing. But, um, yep. yeah. Um, I guess
0: the, the other thing, uh, I'm not sure we should really talk about it this week, but uh, after the game and during the week after was when Kyle and Mick Moylan had their bust-up at training. I don't remember that. You don't remember the... You burn me, you burn me and all the all the hoo ha oh, yeah, on the yeah, TV. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> so that happened after this game, during the week, so.
1: Yeah. Oh, good times. A, it was an exciting time, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think I, I think the ferret head stuff didn't come out until 98, did it?
0: Yeah, that was that was the year after, I think, so. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah good, good old Ferret Head.
0: Good old
1: um, Ferret. Head. <laughs> Alright, and um, just uh, on this one, um, the other thing that was notable for me is that it was sort of one of the earlier games for Roger James, uh, he was playing 40 and he only kicked three points for the game, and I very distinctly remember thinking, oh, he's just another shitty Norwood forward, what's he in our side for? And mm. when you think about how much his game developed from when he was uh, really just kind of a very bit player in that first year, how much he developed yeah. became a really important player for us, it's really interesting to see how that uh, progression happened.
0: His progression was quite remarkable because for the mm-hmm. first few years, he was pretty much solely just a forward flanker and that was it. Um, didn't really do much. Um, and I think it, the, the story goes that he was uh, about to be delisted at the end of 99 and then he played an absolute monster game in the final against North Melbourne at the MCG in our first final and they decided to keep him another year and he uh, he never really looked back.
1: Yeah, I think it wasn't that he was going to be delisted, but that he was going to be traded to Carlton, who apparently oh, were okay. watching us very yeah. closely. Yeah. Which is interesting now because Carlton watched Greater Western Sydney very closely now instead. <laughs>
0: yeah. I guess the other thing, Shane Bond had uh, two Brownlow votes and he's popped up with yeah. the with the Brownlow votes a couple of times um, since we've been doing this.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, what are your memories of, uh, of Bondi?
1: Um, sadly, my strongest memory of Bondi was when he was at the game on Reconciliation Day in Sydney against North Melbourne, which had, I think, the, one of the lowest crowds in history. Yeah. And he did his knee. Um, So it's really sad. He had such a great career for Port Adelaide. Um, He was really consistent, really reliable. Uh, Mm. He's the sort of guy that we kind of wish that Jarman Impey could develop into. Um, That would be absolutely fantastic for someone. Jarman's probably got a few more physical assets than Shane Bond did, but um, not got the skill set quite yet. So we'll see how that goes. But no, he was a gun player. Uh, I know he copped a bit of shit just generally after he gave Troy Bond that big hug after Adelaide won the second showdown in '97, uh, and I think that sort of, for some fans, that sort of lurked. is like, oh, what are you hugging pro players for? And like, is this fucking brother? But, brother, yeah. Come <laughs> <hell.
0: laughs> on, yeah. It was, no, it was, I love Bondy. Uh, cool. I thought he. Um, I think he's probably the most underrated AFL player we've had. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he was an absolute gun. I thought he was screwed out of an All-Australian position in 97 and should have got it in front of Hughes. so I thought he had a much better season that year. Um, And he's one of those ones that really should have played in our premiership, to be honest. Um, yeah. He, he just never recovered from that knee injury and, uh, and I think did it uh, again the next year um, and just had uh, ongoing sort of issues with that, uh, which sort of really ended his career uh, much earlier than it should have.
1: Yeah, no, um, when you talk about that 1997 All-Australian side, I mean, the one classic one that I remember is, um, was it Sexton getting the centre-half-back nod instead of Darren Mead, which just made me infuri- made me absolutely furious. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a sensible choice at all. No, um, no.
0: And then he got it again the year after as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He yeah. <laughs> was robbed. Darren was robbed. It's not he fair. Was. It's not he right. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right. Well, look, we'll move on now to the last time they met. So keeping in mind, we've already just won previously the first time they met. But guess what? Last time they met at TIO Traeger Park last year in round nine, thirtieth 30th of May, we won again. Um, Port Adelaide, 18 goals, 7-115, defeated Melbourne, 8 goals, 6-54. Um, it was quite a comprehensive win, really. Uh, Melbourne started strong. They were two goals up at quarter time. But then in the second quarter... We kicked seven goals too and had a two-goal lead at half time. with Westop and Schultz both kicking two goals in that quarter. Um, Mm. From there, it was really pretty much over and uh, the Ds were kind of out of it, dropped their head. And do you think we can maybe make that happen again this week? Um, That game was an absolute romping for us. We've had a good run up there. But this game in particular, I don't know, do you have any other memories apart from the fact that we won it quite easily?
0: I have this strange affliction with Port versus Melbourne games where I really struggle to remember anything about them at all. They're just really always completely nondescript. Mm. And this mm. is one of those games. I can remember all these things about the 97 match, Yeah, but I had to rack my brain about this game and think, oh, was that this game where this happened? Or No, that was a couple of years before that. And all I remember was we looked like absolute crap for the first sort of quarter and a half. Yep. And then just suddenly we turned it on. I think we kicked like six goals in six minutes at the end of the second quarter. And we never looked back. And that's pretty much all I remember from that game.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I don't remember a lot about this game. Um, it's just one of those, like like you said, the Port versus Melbourne games are usually not all that memorable. Um, I guess that really speaks to the fact that we've never really been rivals in any important sense. Um, I think probably the closest we've ever come to a rivalry is maybe being terrible in the same year but the fact that Mm. Melbourne haven't made finals hardly at all they're they're just annoying
0: they're just annoying Melbourne and I guess one of the things that I do remember is that we just couldn't beat them at the MCG like every year we turned to mush (laughs) whenever it was Port versus Melbourne at the MCG you could look at the the fixture at the start of the year and count that as a loss just circle it straight away loss we're not going to win that one because we never did
1: yeah, no, um, but I think that probably had more to do with our record at the MCG than the Demons. But, yeah, you're quite right.
0: Yeah, uh, we seemed to win our fair share there for a little while, but um, I don't know. It didn't matter how good or bad Melbourne were. We just always seemed to lose there, but I don't know. That's all I remember, and all those sort of port MCG Melbourne games just all sort of blend into one. I don't remember a single thing about them other than <laughs> that we were absolutely dire in most of them. So I'm very much looking forward to us uh, beating Melbourne again this week.
1: Well, we'll have to try and remember it this time. Um, Mm. I think one of the telling things from the last time uh, we played them was uh, Matthew Lobby was in the side, and he got 45 hit-outs, and he obviously had a pretty good effect because Max Mm. Bourne wasn't in. It was Jake Spencer, who's really a pretty ordinary ruckman, um, and he wasn't able to cope, and that gave us first use, I think, and really just helped us dominate the game pretty much. Um, Yeah. There's no doubt that the Demons are probably better this year. Uh, I guess we'll just move on to this week's game so we can talk about that. We're starting with our own selections, so obviously only one change this week. We probably still could have expected a couple more, Um, but the in is Dougal Howard coming in, of course, for Tom Jonas, who was suspended, Mm. which I guess that means if Jonas hadn't been suspended, we'd go in with an unchanged side. Do you think that's what it means, or do you think it was just convenient?
0: Look, when you're winning as many games as we do you don't want to change your side as much you want you want to keep things as steady as possible so it's uh it's great that we're, all, that we're on this uh six or seven uh game winning run at the moment um so yeah i mean that's the only decision that that i can sort of come up with why we didn't make more um changes this week but i don't know I, we we take out our only other sort of medium-tall defender and, and bring in a Ruckman. So uh, I'm not sure. I'm looking forward to us play, playing the smallest back line in history, I think, this week. but No, in all seriousness, um, I, I don't mind it. I'm, I'm really excited to see um, to see Dugues in action again. I think he's going to have a ripper game this week. Mm. Um, I think we might see Trengo sort of spend a bit more time down back um, than we otherwise would have. Um, I think he's probably the perfect matchup for someone like Jack Watts. Um, and what we'll probably reckon? see. Yeah, I think he's a he's a better matchup than someone like O'Shea, for example. But.
1: Well, yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. Like for me, I kind of think that if you're looking at matchups in defense, if we assume Trengo is going to go back, I mean Trengo for me is the natural for Hogan. Um, Hogan's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of physical assets that make him good now, and they will probably make him great in three or four years' time. Um, but right now, he's a very simple player without a huge number of tricks, and I think Jackson's got the, the height, the build, and the experience to go with him. And I'd yeah. be happy with someone like Homsch on Watts, because Watts doesn't Watts isn't super pacey; he doesn't move a lot, but he does read the play, and so does Homsch, so it's a really good matchup there.
0: Yeah, I think Homsch will get Hogan, to be mm. honest, so I, I can't see like him not that. playing on Hogan. Yeah, I'm probably not all that happy. I, I would have much preferred someone like Carlisle or Cleary to come in this week to take um, to take Hogan. But
1: yeah.
0: uh, I think we'll see Homs at fullback on on uh, on Hogan and probably uh, Trengove running around with Watts when he's not in the ruck. I kind of uh, want... Look, they don't have a very tall forward line. They're going no. in with, with one ruckman, they've got Watts, they've got Hogan, and then they've got a bunch of sort of medium-sized play. So you would think guys like O'Shea and uh and Stewart should be able to uh, match up pretty well on, on guys like Petraka and uh and um oh what's his name? I can't remember. I don't
1: know. Either. Harms. Harms, that's the one. Ah oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I think you're right that this is not a very tall back uh forward line, but on the other hand, it's also one that we can beat, so it'd be really nice to beat it. Um, I kind of feel that if we're talking about Jackson being the Ruckman, but maybe this is the week that we put Westhoff and Howard in the Ruck, um, just because that would give us a clear superiority in that forward line. Yeah. Um, they're small forwards at Melbourne, they're getting goals, but if mm. the tools aren't getting goals, then Melbourne aren't winning games. That's really the golden rule there. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Although Hogan's been a bit erratic this year. Yeah. Um, his best games have been better than what he performed last year. Uh, seven against St Kilda. I think he kicked five against Brisbane as well. Yeah. Um. So when he plays well, he dominates. And, and Melbourne tend to play pretty well as well. But um, he's also capable of being pretty well held.
1: Yeah. Look, like I said, he's certainly still learning the craft and getting physically prepared and all that sort of thing. But uh, And obviously Melbourne's delivery has not been 100% consistent mm. like, like most sides. But... Uh, I think he's certainly someone we can shut out of this game. He's certainly been shut out this year, so I, I agree that he can be, but I think we've just got to get that match up right. Um, he's, so you, he's you see the, a fair
0: bit. bit of, uh, of Melbourne. Um, yeah. What's been the resurgence of Jack Watts this year?
1: Um, is it, this well,
0: is probably the first time in his career where he's actually looked like the forward that Melbourne drafted at pick one.
1: I think this actually happened last year. It's just that it's become more obvious because it started in round one this year. Uh, Jack Watts, he's... I think he's learning the game better, really. I think he's finally getting some proper instruction on how to play. Um, He's getting a lot better at the small leads. He's working really well in tandem with um, uh, Hogan, which I think is really an important thing. Like You'll see multiple players where they'll go to each other or when one of them takes the mark, the other one will make sure to run down the field, all that sort of thing. Like They're doing proper two-forward setups now, which is hugely advantageous to Watts because uh, as the the focal point of that side, he was never going to have much show. Um, yeah. because he never had the build, never had the pace, never had the, I suppose, the sheer will to command that position, but as the second tall I mean, that looks like that's actually a pretty neat fit for him um, I think that's a huge part of it, so the fact that he's got Hogan in the side, who only played his first game at the start of last year um, I think that's helped him out enormously, and obviously having you know better instruction and a consistently improving midfield um, yeah. they just keep Bring out new midfielders all the time now at Melbourne It's quite uh, concerning for a few years' time. (laughs) Mm. Um, But yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. He's a very intelligent player, um, I think, which has probably been underrated, but it's probably a huge part of why he was drafted as early as he was, and he's finally getting the opportunity to show that. I, I liken it to kind of a forward version of what happened when Ben Rutten got added to Nathan Bassett, in that Nathan Bassett before that was just overloaded. Mm-hmm. And then Rutten's yep. in the side, he takes the big targets, and then Nathan Bassett can come out and play his game. And I think that's exactly what's happened mm. here.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good call. That's a good call. He's having a great year. He's averaging, what, six marks and two goals a game. So, mm. uh, And he's providing them with, a, with quite an athletic, um, strong marking goal kicking forward. So he's doing well, and he's also keeping Chris Dawes out the side.
1: Yeah, and just we'll quickly go through the squad changes for Melbourne, um, which is obviously they've uh, lost... Actually, they've taken out Viv Michi just for form and Clayton Oliver with an injury. He's only played a couple of games, but he's been very good, and I'm very glad he's yep. out, quite honestly. Mm. Uh, the ins are Neville Jetta and Dom Tyson, and they're okay. They're okay players, but uh, <clears throat> I certainly am happy to see those as a Port fan, that those are the ins and outs. Uh, not sure.
0: I'm, I rate Neville Jetta. I reckon he's uh, he's turned in himself into a really good small defender. and yeah. It'll be interesting to see who he plays on if he does take wing guard or if he goes to someone like Need instead, because uh, he's he's capable of shutting down. He's got good pace um, and can be quite creative out of that back pocket as well. And Dom Tyson, look, he's he's a very very good player. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dom Tyson, and um, yeah, I'm I'm quite concerned about him actually.
1: I'm probably not as sold as on Tyson as a lot of other people are. I think it's just because I haven't seen anything that's made me think. Yeah, he's the guy. But then again, that comes down to another thought about the Melbourne midfield, which is that it's a really honest midfield. Um, none of Jones, Viney and Vince are players you could call show ponies. Uh, yeah. And they're really a huge contrast to us in a lot of ways. Um, they don't have a huge number of tricks. They just get in there and they grind. Um, yep. I'm that's not sure how we match up on exactly that. That's exactly
0: what I was going to say. They're grinders. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. I mean that in the best possible way. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. they just know how to play... Tough, hard footy, win the bowl, get it forward. It's not pretty, but it's uh, it's been pretty effective this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you could say that they probably lack a bit of class coming out of midfield, and you do see that at the games. Um, someone yeah. like Pat- That's why I think there's a lot of hype about Petraka among Demons fans because he offers that potential to be the half-forward link between the big forwards and the, the grunt midfield. Um, so he's certainly a concern for us. But I think the bigger one for us is probably Billy Stretch in midfield. Um, he, again, he also debuted last year and he's, I feel he's the exact sort of player that we struggle against quite often. He's kind of like a Robin Nahas, uh, in in some respects, he's a
0: quick, nuggety, annoying
1: and can find the ball, which is the main thing that really catches you out. So you sort of, it's quite easy to underrate him in that midfield. Um, it's, he's certainly not in, in the top five of people that you'd be worried about, but that means he's the one that can do the most damage. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a concern. He's been in good form. He was quite good form last week.
0: They've got a lot of those players. Billy Stretch, Ben Kennedy, yeah. um, Neil Bullen. I mean, they're all sort of short, small, quick. Um, and as you say, they're, they're ones that could get off the leash a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that really, though, comes down to Rucks. Um, there was some talk during the week that Max Gorn was going to be rested against us but that would have been kind of stupid because that would be giving away the best advantage I guess we'll see okay. how much he actually plays he, I feel even though his numbers have been up pretty high I feel like his actual um, advantage, uh, taps to advantage have been down a little bit and his field play has probably been a bit lower than it was earlier this year um, he could make a, a resurgence and sort of get back in a, a more dominant role but I don't know if Trent goes in rock instead of in the defence how do you see that matchup Maka?
0: It's going to be a tough one, hmm. isn't it? It's going to be a tough one. It's it's tough for uh, for Jackson to come up um, against Nat Nui last week and then Max Gorn this week. So like, <laughs> yeah. when does it ever end? You know, um, and look, Max Gorn's just about the most improved ruckman in the competition. Yeah, he's probably only second behind Goldstein in terms of form and and output um, and influence. Uh, he can do it always. He's, he's taking grabs. He's kicking goals. Um, you know, he's an absolute pain in the ass. And, uh, yeah, he had a massive game in the preseason against us at uh, yeah. at Elizabeth Oval. Um, and that was against Lobie, I think, from memory as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I mean, I don't think he's got a big leap. Um, so that might be somewhere where uh, Trengove and, um, and Howard can get a bit of an advantage and, and hopefully find a little bit of the ball and um, and help us uh, continue on our clearance-winning ways.
1: Yeah, I think probably the one area that makes um, Gorn an easier matchup than someone like Naitanui is the fact that Gorn is mu- very much more a traditional ruckman. Yeah. Um, Naitanui obviously he's got that ridiculous athleticism that uh, adds to his game and makes him a really tough matchup. But Gorn, he's really—if you could say basically you had Brendan Lane, but you took a little bit away, like that's Max Gorn right now. He's he's pretty solid around the ground. He's pretty mm-hmm. effective with taps. He's pretty tall. He's got he's got pretty much he's just an above-average ruckman at this stage yeah. and. Uh, yeah. I think that makes it a lot easier to match up on. Um, something you face a bit more often all the time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Look, so, I, I'm
0: pretty keen on seeing Christian Petraka this week. Um, yeah. He's, he's had a lot of hype about him. Obviously, he mm. went to uh, pick two, I think it was, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, obviously, he did his knee last year. He's yep. come in. He's played some pretty good footy, some pretty impressive footy to start with. Um, mm. I think he kicked uh, four behinds last week. So, yeah. yeah, hopefully he doesn't kick four goals this week.
1: Well, four behinds, we've got the Rising Stars, so that sort of says how mm. well the rest of his game went, I guess. Uh, but then again, hype at a Melbourne club probably also helps with the Rising Star nominations, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one the, area... the, other one to, uh, the other one to note as well is Ben Newton playing uh, against yeah. us, the old uh, Port Adelaide player from a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, probably hasn't set the world completely on fire at Melbourne. I think he's had some injury issues as well, but... Um, I think he's one of those sort of guys that sort of grinds out a sort of 15 to 16 touch, maybe a goal-a-game performance.
1: I kind of think grinding makes it seem too much like hard work. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's very much uh, a player that doesn't put in as well or he doesn't understand the game as well. Like, you, you quite often see him, and you, in my view, and you think, what, what are you even doing? Um, yeah. I think <laughs> I defensively
0: think... he really struggles.
1: Oh, yeah, hugely. It's um, probably a bit of a concern there.
0: He bowl-watches a bit too much, I think.
1: I agree entirely. I I didn't enjoy watching him as a Port player, and I don't enjoy watching him as a Demons player, quite honestly. Um, But, yeah, good on him. He's he's having a crack, and I guess in time he'll just get replaced and they get more draft picks. But um, the last
0: year... If Brayshaw was playing, then he would quite
1: simply. No, Brayshaw's pretty solid. Um, in defence, I guess is the other area for Melbourne. So our forward line, um, Tom McDonald, he's a pretty solid key position backman. I think he's that really good mix of um, shut down and creative. Um, he's not super creative, but he's good enough. Um, but apart from that, look, I don't think their defence is really all that solid. Um, and that's probably I think one of the areas where Melbourne are more like most likely to be let down um, when the ball does go against, when the ball gets past the midfield. I think they're fairly weak on the whole. Um, a lot of the time, it really looks like McDonald's doing on his own. Um, how do you see yeah. the defence?
0: Oh, workmanlike, I guess you'd call it. As I said before, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jetta. I think he does a pretty good job most weeks. Um, Tom McDonald, he, he's a really good player. Mm. Um, again, he's improved out of sight the last sort of two or three seasons. Um, his brother Oscar McDonald's obviously starting out his career. Yeah. Uh, Colin Gardlin, I've never been a fan of at all I, I think he's uh, pretty ordinary to be honest yeah. I'm, I'm surprised he's uh, played as much footy as he has Watch him be best on ground this week now that I've said that um, Josh Wagner again he's a first year player um, Plays pretty well I think um, it, It's workmanlike, it's, it does a job um, They've got Salem who usually sort of um, sets up from down back um, As a bit of a link man, does the kick-ins as well He's got good skills Yeah, he's not uh, there but though, I don't think, is he? Is he not playing this week? Oh, well, that's a bonus. That's good. Yeah,
1: it's a huge bonus because so I actually seriously rate Christian Salem. He's very solid and very important on the counter-attack. So the fact that he's yeah. not there is, gives me a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah, well, that's certainly an advantage for us. And look, Thomas Bug, he's come in from GWS last year and he's, uh, he's fit in pretty well at Melbourne, I think, and uh, he's performing <laughs> um, exceptionally well and, and showing some of the form that saw him picked up as a uh, pre-draft player way back when.
1: Yeah, look, Bug is one of those players that you sort of just have to kind of love at AFL level because his surname really matches his playing style so perfectly.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Uh, He's a real pain um, and he'll get up someone's nose. And as he Mm. gets more experienced, he'll be more and more annoying and we'll come to hate him like everyone hates someone like Ballantyne or...
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I would hope that our forwards could get an advantage this week. I mean, I, I would think that Charlie Dixon's got the height and, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe the strength to uh, to deal with Tom McDonald. Um, West off, I would be hoping, can play a, a, a really good game this week against Oscar. Um, and then it's really up to the others. I mean, again, I'm not sure they've got a player that can sort of match up on Young, to be honest. So Young, again, might get off the leash and kick three or four goals.
1: Don't you think Jetta would go to Young?
0: Who, sorry? Jetta. No, as I said earlier, I think he's a perfect matchup for either Wingard or Need.
1: Okay, interesting. Mm, yeah, okay, no, fair enough. Um, I, I think you're probably underrating McDonald against Dixon. Um, and the reason for that, I think that is because Dixon Dixon should win, and he would win if Port were, for example, winning in midfield and were able to execute set plays regularly. Yeah. Um But against teams that don't have that luxury, I mean, those are the teams that McDonald gets his good reputation against, I think. Mm. Um, and I, if we go one of those teams, if we're not winning in midfield or at least having you know good system based delivery to our forward line, then I certainly think he can get on top. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Be interesting. I, I mean, I think probably what kind of. I don't know who it'll work out to the advantage of, but, I mean, if you look at Dixon and Hogan, like, their play style, like, Dixon, certainly this year, his play style is not too different to Hogan's in that it's a lot of contested work, throwing himself at packs and all that sort of stuff, and I guess they might... Yeah. Both defences might be used to seeing that sort of player now. Who knows?
0: Yeah.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, look, we just had a couple of interesting comments, I think, from the Spreaker Forum. Um, One question from Jonty Mitchell is, is Howard Rising Star eligible? That's a good question. I think. I think he is, is not he? He's only been on the list for a couple of years. I think he's got to be twenty-one, or under twenty-one, doesn't he? Or twenty-one and under for the rising star.
0: Let's have a look. Let's have a look.
1: I'm pretty confident.
0: Uh yes, he's eligible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's probably not likely, um, but I suppose it could happen. It'd be. He'd have to have had a big game for that, though, as a
0: <laughs> <laughs> If If he gets it this week against Max Gorn, then look out. AFL will.
1: Well, I mean, Watch really... If, we would
0: have won by 15 goals.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he beats Max Gorn, I mean, that is probably the best possible recommendation for a Rising Star nomination at this point, really. Um, so, if, that's a nice thought. Let's hang on to that and just hope. Um, yeah. We've got a, another comment just on the Jewel saying, from Jaunty again, saying, he's much more scared of Nick Nat than he is of Gorn. And I think most people agree with that. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: I think, yeah, I, I think uh, if, if we were coming up, if we were playing Lobie against Gorn, I'd be a lot more concerned than I am with uh, Howard and, and Trengove going up against him.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a more unpredictable setup, which I think will probably help. Yeah. Um, and of course, Stu Hawes has said, Jacko and Dugues are going to dominate and be our Ruck duo for the rest of the year, which, gee, that'd be nice, wouldn't
0: it? <laughs> it would be nice. Yeah, I'm going to um, say a little bit more about that a bit later on, I think.
1: All right. Well, look, we'll just move on to the, the game in general, which is a section where we talk about, I suppose, the whole match. Um, coaching, so should we be concerned about Paul Ruse and Simon Goodwin is the question, and I mean my initial answer would be no, um, we've yeah. won our last six games against the D's, uh, and even now Melbourne lack the consistency to compare to what a Ruse run side normally can do um, yeah. do you think there's any reason why there'd be a coaching disadvantage to us
0: look, they've improved, there's no doubt Melbourne have improved, but they're yeah. still inconsistent, uh, they, they lost to Essendon for God's sake, like they still yeah. lack that consistency that um that you get over time with a, a settled lineup um so no i'm I'm not overly concerned with lo uh, with the uh, losing and Goodwin this week to be honest.
1: yeah, I mean I think that Essendon game is probably a bit of a a special one um because that was I think Essendon's first home game. Uh, all the fans were there, like there was the one that they all rev themselves up for to complain about how the world is unfair. Um, and they had a big march, apparently, and all that sort of thing before the game. And everyone was kind of on that page. So I think that was probably a bit of an unusual case. But yeah, look, they are inconsistent, I think. Um, and I guess that, that transition between Ruse and Goodwin, mm-hmm. like how much is Ruse actually coaching now? Um, with Tommy Yeah, well, that's a good over. point as well. Yeah. Maybe
0: he's, uh, he's doing the old sort of Mick Malthouse sort of overseeing sort of role when he had Buckley there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. Mm. Mm. Look,
0: I, I still think... Melbourne, when they're put under pressure, they can sort of revert back to bad sort of traits, sort of yeah. like going a bit sort of slow in possession and, and all, all that sort of stuff. So I think that's um, that's one area where hopefully we can get a bit of an advantage. If we can win the midfield battle, uh, which will be a battle, um, if we can get on top there and put them under a bit of pressure, especially early, uh, we might see sort of Melbourne revert to that sort of slow, sluggish game plan. Um, we should hopefully see us get on top.
1: Yeah, well, um, they certainly can be driven into that state. Um, basically, that usually comes with when their forward line is shut down and we've talked about how we reckon we can probably do that yeah. uh, if the matchups are right and things go in our favour. Um, psychological advantage for the match, obviously, is with us. We've got a huge record against them uh, and even in just in the games we've watched, talked through this game, we had clear wins in both of them. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess we should be confident, right? We should be confident.
0: We should what be... Is the... I guess they did beat us in the preseason, so so yeah. that might be one area where they will get a bit of confidence, because they've done it before, even though we've won the last six real matches against them, we've won both games at Traeger Park against them. Um, they did beat us this year already, so how much you can take out of that game at Elizabeth, I'm not too sure, but uh, they did look pretty good in that second half um, that day. I think we got on top early, we, we led by four or five goals and ended up losing by four or five goals, so...
1: I'm, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying, but pre-season games are always really low on defence and that's pretty much how we're intending to win this one. So I don't know that you can take a lot out of that in that case. But Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we have had a couple of questions from the game through on the Big 40 Forum uh, or, or where we talk about, uh, we'll get people to write in with things they want to know. One uh-huh. great club has asked a, a pretty important question. Why is Ken not bringing in like for like this season in the selections?
0: Who knows? <laughs> that's a very good question, isn't it? I'm not too sure. I think he's um, he's pretty happy with how guys like O'Shea and Stewart are playing. I think this particular week, when they've only got two tolls and one Ruckman, um, I guess it might make sense uh, yeah. not to bring in another key defender this week. Maybe we would have gone in a little bit top-heavy down back. Yeah, they do have a lot of very quick small forwards, um, so that's something to look out for. Uh, so this week, I can understand not going in mm. like like but I would still prefer another key defender in the side um, come next week.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I pretty much agree with that. Um, I think that if we're talking about not being in like for like, um, we kind of are. We're kind of keeping numbers a little bit level. So we're just changing the players around on the field rather than changing them in the ins and outs. So we're just having players adjust within the, in the 22. So it's generally less obvious to fans, I suppose. Um, I'm, more, question... I'm more
0: annoyed not sort of on a player-by-player player basis, more of yeah. how it's sort of screwed around with our structure a little bit yep. um, and the game plan that we're trying to play. i read a quote from someone from the forum during the week, so I apologise that I can't remember exactly who it was from, but it's that we're, we're playing a game plan which really suits a lot of tall players and we're not playing a lot of tall players. Yeah. Because I... we're trying to play this long-kicking this long sort of contested-marking game style, but who have we got which sort of suits that game style? <laughs> We've only got Dixon and we're relying on him far too much um, he needs support up forward so i'm really glad that've they've, they've brought in howard this week um and again down back it's, it's a similar story so yeah I mean that that's why I'm a little bit concerned about the, the sort of change in structure that we've done sort of on the fly this year
1: yeah look i i tend to agree i kind of think that if you're talking about long kicking and preferably precise disposal like we kind of need like five stewie Jews right now and there's not a lot of them around um yeah I, it's it's concerning, but we also don't have a lot to work with because we've kind of not been filling up the bottom of the list as well as we could, I think, personally. But I guess, yep. I guess that comes into the next question we got from the game thread, which was from AFL2004. Um, is this group ever going to have decent disposal efficiency or have we just drafted badly? And what would we have to do in the footy operations department to improve and make sure we don't hinder future draftees in these areas?
0: It's a big double barrel question, that one, isn't it? I think yeah. we've just drafted poorly to be honest I mean that's solid you can either kick or you can't I think it's it's one of those sort of skills where if you're a great kick you're always going to be a great kick Um, if you're not a great kick it takes at this stage of your career I think you've already sort of gone through that sort of muscle memory it's it's very hard to change your kicking style when you're 18 19 20 uh, and beyond Um, and look we've never been good kicks of the footy so you know this is something which is sort of plagued us for the last sort of four or five years with this, this playing group, even in, as we've said, even in 2014 when we were winning games, it certainly wasn't because of our uh, pinpoint uh, kicking skills. It was because we were a lot fitter than everyone else, which made our skills look better than what they were. Um, but when we've come back to the pack fitness-wise, um, I think it's really sort of shown us up as just maybe how poorly skilled we've drafted over the years
1: yeah look i think it's one of those things where it's really hard to get the complete package um and if you're drafting it's a safer thing to draft a guy that maybe the kick's are a little iffy but you know they're going to be able to get the ball than do the reverse um yeah. and i suppose the classic i think the classic player here now that we're talking about Port and melbourne is probably travis johnstone um former number one draft pick for melbourne and he was called yeah. i think as a junior is the rolls royce because he could do everything he had fantastic skills and The reality Mm. was he he did have fantastic skills, but he probably didn't have that drive to excel and just that sheer amount of getting this hand on the ball that uh, is needed to really be good. And if you're looking at between someone like that or someone like Brad Ebert, um, it's really hard, or Brad Ebert, sorry, it's really hard not to draft the Ebert because you know that at least you'll give yourself a chance. And in a good system with key forwards that are talented and able to adjust what they're doing, you can get away with less excellent kicks than you otherwise could.
0: Um, yeah. Oh, look, Hamish Hartlett is is a very good comparison to, uh, to Travis Johnson, really. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty much identical players. Mm. Um, and as you said, I mean, sometimes it's... Sometimes it might be better to get your hands on the ball 30 times and, you know, if you turn it over a couple of extra times, then it doesn't really matter because you're getting your hands on it so much. But um, not sure. I mean, as I said, you know, we've never been highly skilled. I don't think there's anything we can do that about, to do anything about that now, um, apart from draft a bit smarter in the future.
1: Yeah, well, it's not just drafting smarter, but... Getting high draft picks as well. Um, I think a lot of what yep. we're doing is we've been making the best we could out of mid-table finishes and the draft picks you get there, yep. uh, while also having coaches that are very much wanting to get runs on the board for various reasons, not just because it's nice, but also because off says we couldn't bottom out at times when we're going to go broke, so that's fair enough. Yeah, um, This example, is why I it? think
0: it's important that Carl Amon makes it, because he's a very good kick and he was a late draft pick. That's the sort of player that you want to be drafting. Um, this is why we sort of uh, we were also happy that we got Riley Bonner at the end of last year because he's yeah. a fantastic kick of the football as well. Yeah. Um, so you, you never know, maybe we can turn it around if some of these sort of younger guys um, do sort of develop pretty well.
1: Yeah, oh, look, I think our best bet just to get a general improvement is to give a simpler system, and you can get away with it if you've got the fantastic tall forwards, and if you don't, then you just look like idiots. Mm. Um it's 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 really tough. You have to decide where you want to spend your your draft capital pretty much like do you want to spend it on those midfielders and then get away with you know okay tools or do you yep. want to plung it down and put it all down on you know good key position forwards and I kind of feel like we've throughout our mass selection of guys that are okay kicks when they're not pressured um we've kind of put ourselves in the boat where I think we need to be actively trying to recruit the superstar key position forwards at every opportunity, and that means high draft picks, however we can get them. Yeah. Or trading for Charlie Dixon's, of course. That's the other mm. way to try and do that. But, mm. I mean, I don't think it's a surprise that someone like Jay Shultz came in and had such a high impact in a lot of ways because he is that sharp shooter. And yep. if you can get it to him then and rely on him to be the, the one that can actually have a good kicking efficiency, then you can get away with a lot, but it does leave you quite undimensional.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Alright, Is there anything else you want to talk about the game I think you said something about the ruck situation
0: The ruck situation? <laughs> oh, I'll was... bring that up a little bit later on
1: Oh, okay, cool Alright, well look, Um, I think we might move into The Fringe Force 5 for this week Which I think will be a fairly quick one Um, Mostly because there's been no progress uh, This week we're talking about Sam Cahoon mm. um, He was pick 3 in the 2013 preseason draft He's 21, or he might be 22 by now um, one hundred seventy nine centimeters, seventy two kilograms. He's the same age as Jake Need, Ollie Wines, uh, Darcy Byrne Jones, Carl Amon, and Jarman Impey. So, in that sort of bracket, if you are trying to get an idea of where he's at, uh, he's played sixteen games in three and a bit seasons. Uh, he didn't play in two thousand fourteen, and he only played six games last year, and he hasn't played a single game this year. Yeah. Um, two things, I guess. What does it mean that Byrne Jones has leapfrogged him, and does he have a future at Port Adelaide if he's not getting games when our side is this shallow?
0: As we've said in the past finding a a spot in the AFL team for a player like Sam Cahoon is the challenge because Mm. I'm just not sure where he plays because the reason why someone like Darcy has leapfrogged him is because he's exceptionally better defensively he's got better pace Um, Cahoon might have better skills but um, if you're playing down back (laughs) you you want to be defensively sound in this sort of uh, era of AFL footy and Coon certainly doesn't have that, and, and there's no real sort of room for a player of that sort um, in the AFL system at the moment, really. So you, there's not too many players that are getting games as a loose sort of back pocket or back flank that, um, that can play that sort of style that Sammy sort of does at SANFL level.
1: Yeah, look, I kind of think that he is a player that if he'd been playing 10 years ago, he would have found a place in, say, a Richmond or a Carlton back line. Um, yep. if, if he could play a Joel Bowden role, he'd love it. If he could play mm. a, a Cade Simpson role, he'd love it. Um, but those roles don't exist in good sides, unfortunately. Uh, mm. They get exposed quite easily.
0: Yeah, Look, I like Sammy. I, he plays well every week in the SANFL. He gets good stats every single week. He, he puts everything on the line. He tries hard. He runs into space. He gets the ball. He delivers it well. But it's just not a game style, and he doesn't have the physical traits which are suited to AFL football. Yeah, unfortunately. Really. So, does he have a future at Port Adelaide next year? I'm not sure. I don't I don't think he does.
1: No, look, I don't think he does. Um, I think i went win a record on that in the off-season, and if he doesn't, then Rick owes me a box of tea, so I'm a little bit excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, sorry about that, Sam. It's a
0: shame because he had such a good start to his career before his knee injury, so... Yeah. And, and I guess maybe, I don't know, it's... Maybe he's just yet to find his niche. I don't don't know. But I know they they were trying to trial him um, as that sort of forward flanker, but I guess Aaron Young sort of stole on that from him. So he's not going to get a go there. No. So I don't know. Do you see him finding any sort of position at AFL level?
1: No. I I think the best opportunity that I suppose someone like Sam would have would be I don't know if Gold Coast get a new coach and they do a complete gutting and they want a, a guy that they might have a bit of upside, they can throw in defence. But even then, mm. they've probably got options as good or better right now. So yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he's got a future at AFL level. Honestly, I really don't.
0: I think he'll get redraft. If we delist him, I think he'll get redrafted. I think uh, someone will give him a chance.
1: Oh really? Uh, who?
0: Yeah, I, I think someone will give him a chance.
1: Who? Who?
0: I think he'd play for Gold Coast. To be honest. I think he'd get a game at Brisbane. He'd certainly get a game at uh, Carlton.
1: Oh, 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 I don't know. Because like, I think part of the issue is that at these signs where he could maybe get a game, like if they're bringing in players to, and they're saying, we, we've hit rock bottom, we're going to try and rebuild or build in the case of Gold Coast. um they probably still want to be doing that with players that have got better physical attributes than the Sam, you know, they might mm. be saying, okay, because there'll be someone else delisted that plays halfback, because there's always halfbacks delisted, and they might say, well he's, if he if he does succeed, he'll be a more useful asset, whereas if Sam Cahoon succeeds he'll still always have certain deficiencies and that's if he does succeed and he hasn't got a lot of exposed form behind him um, he was drafted quite late, which is not to say that being drafted late means you're terrible, but the fact that is that means that a lot of clubs have overlooked you, uh, and in the year he drafted, I think Greater Everston, Sydney, and Gold Coast both had a heap of picks. They could have brought him in if they really thought he would have had a, a shot. Yeah. Um, if any club drafts him, I think it would be sort of like us picking up Robert Force and I after he was delisted by Essendon <laughs> um, yeah. in that category of like, yeah, I suppose he could, but why would you? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see a lot going on there. Mm. Do
0: you see him getting a game this year?
1: Uh, I kind of hope he doesn't, and I don't think he will. Yeah, that's I mean, if, if we're looking at, like, even if we're looking at people that are in not in the side right now, like Jimmy Tumpus, I'd rather have in in a second before Sam Cahoon.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: that's not even a, a question for me. Uh, we could bring in a tall, play an extra tall backman, and not have a, an extra flanker, which again would remove a position for Sam Cahoon to play. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of things we could do that would just make it unviable. So I think, I think that's probably it. Well, I guess we'll have another reassessment later on.
0: <laughs> it's a real shame we're not playing for the tumpus Newton Cup this week. Right. I know,
1: I know. That would have been amusing. That's a pity. But There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we'll move on. Um, now there's no SNFL game this week. Uh, next game will be against Glenelg in a week's time, but we'll talk about that next week, obviously. Um, so really, it's just time to get down to our final wrapmaker.
0: Mm. Um, okay. let Who's Let's do the winning it.
1: side for the week? What's the margin, and who's the highest goal kicker?
0: Uh, Port Adelaide by four points, and Jakey Need with three goals.
1: Oh, I like that. Mm. But only four points. Do you really think... No, I suppose this is close to tipping us to lose as you can probably afford to do right now.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. I (laughs) I think it'll be a close game. I I don't see it being a blowout either way. I think it's going to be a tight one.
1: I kind of... I think if a side... No, no, I think you feel... I think... Yeah, I don't know. I could see it being a blowout one way or the other. But I think it's more likely to be a blowout if Melbourne get on top than if we get on top. But I think we'll win. So I guess I'll go 22 points for Port Uh Adelaide to win. Yep. Um, My highest goal kicker for Port is probably going to be... It's not going to be Dixon. I reckon it'll be... I reckon it'll be young because everyone's been underrating him and there's no reason why they would stop now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said earlier, I think Youngie, um, looking at the match-ups, I mean, he, he might be a player that does get loose a little bit and, and does continue his good form.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Yeah, let's go, let's go Young for three goals at least. Yeah. Mm. All right, and who's your immediate one for Port first?
0: My immediate for Port Adelaide this week is going to be Jarman Impey. I think he's going to play down back. I think okay. he's going to man Jeff Garlett, and I think he's going to keep him goalless for the second time this year.
1: Yeah, Gala. Uh, Gala is a player that sometimes he's good, but on the whole, I don't really rate him. So I think there's a pretty good mm. chance of that happening, honestly.
0: Um, is, is he's had been... a good year, Gala. He's kicked 15 goals. He sort of often performs against Port Adelaide as well. I think he's also That's kicked true. 15 goals against Port in seven games. So he is a, a regular goal kicker against us. But I reckon Jars is going uh, to do the job this week. And he yeah. really needs to this week to sort of stay in the side. So.
1: Yeah, he had a pretty awful week by all standards last week, so he certainly does need to, you're quite right. Um, I'm going to say Nathan Cracker. He's not been playing terribly, but he's not been at his best, but I think this is one of the weeks where we could expect him to maybe be a top five player for us. Yep. Um, Because I think that there'll be enough opportunity in that forward line, in in our Mm defence, sorry, in their forward line, to really just pick up that stray ball he loves and just create the other way. I think there'll be a really good opportunity in him there because I don't rate the... Like, the Melbourne small forwards are all right, but like I said earlier, I don't think they score enough if the tools aren't marking, and I think we might be able to shut down those tools, so I guess we'll see. Yep. Um, who's your immediate for Melbourne?
0: My immediate for Melbourne is going to be Dean Kent.
1: Okay, he's, me. he's solid,
0: yep. Yeah, he's been around a few years, yeah. hasn't really set the league on fire, he's had a pretty consistent year this year, kicked four against North earlier in the season, I'm tipping him to be a complete Kent this week and uh, kick multiple goals uh, for the second time this year and and probably end up with three and uh, a couple of goal assists as well.
1: Yeah, look, I like Kent as a player. I don't think that Port should go out and chase him by any means, but I think he's just a good, honest player for the most part, and I think he's certainly capable of doing that. Um, For mine, I would probably have to say... I can't really say Petraka because he's a Rising Stars nominee. It's a bit too obvious, but I think he's someone that could expose us. Instead, I will Mm. choose... really tough one I guess I'll go Billy Stretch okay. Billy Stretch I, like I said earlier in the, in the um, podcast I think he's the sort of player that could get away from us and really rack him up and um, if he does you'd have to say he'd probably be in with a shot at a Rising Star nomination if Darcy Byrne-Jones doesn't win one so
0: yeah,
1: I think it could be decided in this match who gets it this week
0: yep that's fair enough I think a shout out to Alex Neil Bullen as well who picks yeah. up obscene amounts of the ball in the VFL True. Um. So he could come in and uh, and certainly pick up sort of thirty touches or something.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I, I think mm. I feel like he's a bit Sam Grayish in that respect, but we'll, we'll see.
0: Yep.
1: Um. Who's your bet the house? What's your bet the house? This is uh, the one where you pick the thing that you are very confident will happen, but it might not. But you try and take a risk.
0: Well, this is where I'm going to talk about the ruck, and for uh, me, the bet the house is okay. that Howard Dukes. He's going to put in a performance that's going to see him stay in the AFL team for the rest of the season and beyond. I think he's going to kick a couple of goals. He's going to have some really good around-the-ground play. He's going to take a couple of strong contested grabs and compete really, really well in the ruck, uh, which is going to be a key performance in us winning this game.
1: That is an absolutely huge call. Um, Wow, okay. Huh.
0: Yeah, dudes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Shit. You're okay. the Dougal.
0: It that's, starts now.
1: That's pretty big. Okay, I, I like the sound of that. I think that's pretty good. Um, my thought is that I reckon this week, I reckon Wingard's going to finally find his form again. I reckon he's going to kick three or four goals and I reckon he'll get 20 possessions comfortably. I think he's okay. had a bit of a, a slow return from his injury where he's just sort of put in a little bit but not quite done enough. And I think he's going to come back and have a, a good week this week. I think it's this exact sort of circ- set of circumstances that'll help him out. A, an inconsistent defence. Um, I think he'll get a positive matchup. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Wingard. That's mine.
0: Yeah. I hope so. I really yeah. hope so.
1: I've uh, got a couple of comments from the forum. Um, let's see here. Oh, sorry, from speaker chat. We've got a great call, Macker, on the Dugues thing. There's a few Dugues fans listening in live. Yeah. Um, Paul Valutis has come in. He's got Chad to kick five. Uh, Ryan Pillar reckons Newton's going to have a day out against us so that'll be interesting mm. um, Stu Hawes has said port not. by four <laughs> as well he's agreed with you port, port by four points for Stu Hawes Youngie with yep. four Need with two so that's an interesting thing to say um, one. yeah oh there you go and jo- John T and Paul have both said they've called four goals before me for Chad Wingard so well I don't care I didn't read the comments so bad luck <laughs> <laughs> it's mine I'm claiming it that's it. Mm. All right. Well, look, I think that we can pretty much wrap it up there. I'm yep. very confident going into this game, quite honestly. Uh, like we've said, I've seen a lot of Melbourne this year and I don't think there's anything there that we can't beat. So if mm. players have got their minds right, I reckon we can look forward to an entertaining and a winning game this week. So, yeah. Go Port.
0: Well, usually it's a bad sign when I'm confident so hopefully, uh, <laughs> we, hopefully we we do actually win this game and we don't lose by 10 goals or something ridiculous like that which normally happens when I tip Port so can't appear
1: can't Port butchard doogs
0: doogs
1: <laughs> doogs go the doog thanks all boys though both threatening with every passing minute back to full forward off hands Brown needed to trap it couldn't quite Out of it, Port Adelaide getting numbers Win, go!